<laughs> that could have been a, a long wait, couldn't it? Yeah. That culture. Uh, intros, these fucking things are terrible, aren't they? Who gives a shit? Uh, I'm blend in with the uh, fitness industry when it's full of bulls. I'll, 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 I'll whack a cow noise in. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Welcome. Do to... no harm and take no shit. Do you know what I mean, Nick? Do no harm, mm-hmm. take no shit. Apart from mm-hmm. struggle with that do no harm bit. Go on. How does everyone find new content for socials and planets? Um, I'll tell you what they do. Um, they most people will look at their checking process, their review process. They will, if you're going to do this properly, listen to clients with a level of intent to really, really, really listen and write notes down from what they say, whether that be in your phone or in a notebook. That is where your best and most relevant and specific content will ever come from. They get it from research, from a, a client's perspective. Um, so you might do market research every, say, quarter. I don't think there's any harm in doing it that frequent. Um, and you will get it by asking questions and doing polls on Instagram. So it's like four or five areas that where you would get it then. Um, the other area I would say is make sure that you do an empathy map, at least, again, it's down to you, but touching base on it about once a month where you're putting everything in one place. So you're taking all of them and client conversations and, and putting it into the empathy map. That's where all of your content should come from. In terms of planning it, um, very much what what we covered on the marketing plan um, webinar that we did last night. But in terms of planning it, um, you mix it up with, you, you you decide on what your message is. So the message will probably have something to do with a lead magnet if you're doing that. And planning wise, from a content structure, you're wanting to tick off probably at least two out of the three boxes. So stuff that you're going to deliver in a compound way. So the usual stuff like posting on social media, stuff you did deliver in a direct way. So that's them reaching out to followers, asking what they want and need in terms of content, welcoming new followers, following people, taking an interest and being direct with your marketing and maybe sprinkle a little bit of paid marketing in there, eh, Nick? Eh? Um, why not? Why not? Why not? And in terms of like planning it, like have a content planner. Well, obviously, if you're new to this, then you, you know you've got one, but um, have a content planner that basically gives you the structure of what you're posting and when you're posting it once you've decided that off the back of the research that you've done um, from the suggestions that I've just made on where to get the content from. Um, and then the only thing I would say is, obviously, it's not as simple as just posting. It's setting up the post on social and then making sure that you've got your call to actions on there as well. So it's having time within your week to make sure that you've got this. And one of the things that I shared last night is you might have a time in your week where you're solely, this is what I do, doesn't mean it works for everyone, unpacking the, the notes you've made this week from your clients and going to your check-ins and reviews and all of that. So you're getting all of that and then pulling out however many you need. So let's say you need 20 of them posts for the month and then you pick out your day of when you're going to start to create that. And then once you've created it, as soon as you've done that, you schedule the motherfucker. That would be how you'd go about it, in my opinion. Oh, bloody marvellous, that is bloody marvellous. I thought it was as well. Um, how would you... Why is it not changing? There we go. Oh, this looks a good question. How would you reach out to help a client who, due to stresses of work, family life, etc., 
keep smashing <laughs> worlds uncontrollably. Now, listen, right? Just before we move on from this, I think Twirls are one of the best chocolate bars ever. Really? So is he is am I his client? Because this might be me. <laughs> and I think they're world class. Really? Yeah, really? I do. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if put I wonder if thoughts are twirls, but they are good. Yeah, they're very good. And they're even yeah. better, like crumbled into ice cream. Yeah, that's a good shout. Twirl McFlurry from McDonald's, fucking magnificent when they do them once a year or whatever it is. What are the random chocolate bars I like you go to? Oh, I tell you what used to be my favourite. They don't do anymore. Do you remember Spirals? Yeah. Fucking amazing chocolate bar. Lion bar. Yeah, Lion bar was good. Proper, oh, I might have got in trouble for saying that. I was going to say proper man's fucking chocolate bar. (laughs) Someone's going to fucking kill me off for that, aren't they? Um, (laughs) But isn't it? It's like fucking old school, proper. What else? I like a galaxy. I like do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a bit of a. See, I'm gonna throw something that, in there that not many people like bounties. No, they're shite. That's oh, why. They're God. That's why they're always last in the fucking celebration. Nah, bounties are. I love coconut. Right. Bounties. That's why they're always last up in the fucking celebrations, Tim. In it. Bounties. You know what's a really underrated? It's not a chocolate bar, but chocolate revels. Remember that. No, I felt like rebels. Oh, mate, decent. What else, actually? Whilst we're on this, this arrows. Yeah, ish. Mint arrows. Dairy milk's good as well. Dairy milk. Dairy milk's good. What else? I feel like we haven't nailed it. I feel like it's one that was really good. One that we've missed. Dime bar. Oh, you dickhead! You've ended it. Right, anyway, back to the question. (laughs) How would you reach out to help a client who, due to stresses of work, family life, etc., keeps smashing in the twirls uncontrollably? He then beats himself up about this and goes off track. I only see him every fortnight. Cheers, pretty boys. Exactly, that is not in me. Um, okay, so what I would get him to focus on is the trigger or the event or events that are leading to him smashing the twirls and get him to be because i think one of the things is immediately we go to try and stop them reaching for the twirls or whatever it is but getting them to be self-aware he's self-aware of like he's eating it but he's probably not self-aware completely of what's triggering him to reach for that so the first thing I would set out for him to do is have that conversation around it and get him to be self-aware of that. And then I would coach him and give him suggestions on what he could do as maybe even not as an alternative, um, but how he can maybe merge that in with his diet or with his nutritional plan, which is aligned with what he wants to achieve, which whatever that Obviously, you don't know that. So I think the first thing is recognizing the contextual cue that leads for him to grab the twirl or whatever. Um, It's getting him to recognize that, be self-aware of it. Um, Having a conversation about then putting things in place to effectively replace that um, or build it into his nutritional plan, if that 
if that helps. Because we know that if we say, right, let's get rid of it, let's get rid of everything, then you know, nine times out of ten, that's going to probably lead to regression, and it's probably lead to going back to it. It's going to make him feel worse, and so forth and so forth. So I definitely feel it's a conversation going back and forth about um, what he feels is realistic, what he enjoys, not what he enjoys about it, but he obviously enjoys it, obviously likes it, and who wouldn't like a 12? So maybe look at replacing some of them. But the first thing, in my opinion, would be for him to be self-aware of the contextual cue which is leading to it. And if you only see him every fortnight, I might get him to check in or get on a call after the first kind of week or check in after the first couple of days in trying this. Um, so it's not kind of, right, try this and I'll see you again in two weeks. And then maybe he fails or, or regresses backwards and he doesn't feel like he can move forward. So I'd try and increase the frequency just for this particular area. Uh, anything you'd add? No. Didn't fucking think so. Much, didn't oh, yeah. I feel like clients are quick to sign up. I feel that clients that are, that are sorry that are quick to sign up and also quick to leave. How do I keep? How do I stop that from happening? If they are eager to start, sorry. Um, struggled reading that <laughs> you kind of answered your own question because i'm pretty certain by asking the question you know the answer to it um listen this is a big thing it's something that we harp on about quite a lot and whether people want to hear it and take it in that's a different thing you need to hear it because clearly this happens and recognizing it is great because that's just like behavior change isn't it you recognize the behavior that you need to change and because it's causing you some pain or whatever, and then you, you, you're you more likely to change it. So first and foremost, if you recognize that that is something that ha is happening quite a lot in your business, and we see this with a lot of personal trainers, is um, just extend your onboarding process for them, for them clients. Like, I could talk about this all day, and I'm clearly not going to do, but getting to understand your clients from day one and if they've got a huge desire to want to come in, that's great, right? Getting the sales great. We want the money. It's brilliant for us. It gives us a short dopamine hit if we took a new client on. We all love that. There's no denying it. But that's not where your job ends. Like your job is the coaching element. And as a coach, you need as much context to coach from as possible. And what usually happens is when a client comes in really quick and eager to start quick, we, we rush that process and miss that context. And although that doesn't affect you initially, probably in the first two, three, four, four weeks, it will affect negatively further down the line because you haven't gone down certain avenues that could get in the way and all of that type of stuff. So going through the full needs analysis. So um, in short, if a client has got a huge, eagerness, huge, huge level of eagerness to start... I fucking don't even know where that was going. What was that word? Huge eagerness. Huge level of eagerness. What is that hooch then? Hooch was a really good little fucking 15-year-old part drink, wasn't it? That one. No wonder I didn't make it as a professional footballer if I was drinking fucking hooch in the part, though. Um, sorry. Right. Going back to the point. 
if you've noticed that this is a bit of a, a reoccurring problem for you, um, then extend your onboarding. Um, and as a process, just recognize that this happens and probably extend it to say two consultations, find out a little bit more, but really, really explore the barriers to change for people. So yes, they're hundred mile an hour and want to come in the business now, but what could be or would be the barriers to, to change? What's going to get in the way? Um, and what's the plan from day one to overcome that? Because if you've got that context, you've extended your onboarding process a little bit more, at least you're ready for some red flags that might come up. So then you can place the interventions in place like, I don't know, a face-to-face check-in, a um, going in deeper into the monthly review before it happens, just any intervention that you can put in place before they leave. So that's what I would say. Very long-winded answer. Anything you'd add to that? Mm-hmm. Um, how to ride the house? Walking out. Oh my God! Oh, what is going on? What is going on? That's why um, the H and lows. People pay for this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, wow! How to ride the highs and lows of the business more smoothly? I feel like this is a serious question that's going to help a lot of people. So I need to ask it seriously. How to ride the highs and lows of the business more smoothly. I feel like, fuck off, man. Stop it. I feel like my self-worth is directly tied to how well my business is doing. When everything goes well, I'm confident and happy. But when something goes wrong, I'm struggling not to take it personally. Top question. Um, Sorry, I couldn't read it properly. Really good question. (laughs) Nick, answer the fucker. Um. Listen, there's nothing I'm going to say now which will switch off the emotion that is linked to your business, but there are certain things that can definitely help it, help reduce it over time. Um, Listen, I think... I think you're always going to be personally connected to your business regardless, you know, because it's yours... Your, your business solely depends on you, you have clients, so forth and so forth. So there is going to be an element of that. And, you know, speaking to, speaking to majority of the guys, majority of the guys go through some form of, I wouldn't say breakdown or meltdown, but I would say definitely a bit of a downer when someone leaves them, even if they've got, 30 clients, 40 clients, even if five years in, 10 years in, one year in, there's always going to be that element of emotion attached to it. <clears throat> what helps to start to separate the emotion and starts to reduce the impact on you is things you're probably already going to be aware of. Um, the first thing is being able to I would say definitely understand your business enables you to start to separate you from it a little bit. So, you know, without understanding of, for example, why people leave or without the understanding of why they're possibly, you possibly might not be new getting new clients without the understanding it, it really, it causes a whirlwind of, questions and conflict and indecision and doubt um because there's nothing there's nothing to go off except for how you're how you perceive those situations 
So the first thing I would say is, like we always sound like a broken record, is tracking your business enables you to give you the data to understand. That's the first thing, right? That is the first thing. And if it's not where you want it to go, the data will effectively enable you to logically break down or with support from obviously us, the other guys, so forth and so forth, to be able to break down where the missing link is. And so when you then start to tap, when you start to then want to improve that certain scenario, it's pinpointed rather than just being trying to pick here, there and everywhere. For, I'm not saying this, this person does that. I don't actually know who wrote it yet, but it enables you to pinpoint down on what to focus on so you feel in more control of the situation. Um, and also I think when you start to then... <clears throat> you know, run, give your business structure as a business should have structure from financially, from the marketing, the metrics, the data, you do start to separate those two things gradually over time. And also, I think one of the big things is, is that, sorry, I was just going in the group to see who was there. Sorry, go on. Carry on. What? And then when you do start to, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Sorry, mate. When you do start to kind of separate that, I feel you'll, and a lot of it comes down to, a lot of it comes down to guaranteed is marketing and client acquisition. It does. It does. Um, because if you, and the point I think everybody's trying to get to is to understand what repeatable process brings in clients. And again, going back to the tracking and the metrics and the boring shit that we don't like to do, and it's a habit that we need to create and it's difficult. And some weeks when it's not going so well, we actually don't want to write the numbers down because it's not great to look at. So we avoid it. Those are the things that is going to enable you to have more confidence and ultimately be able to switch off from your business. And it was, there was a, um, Someone on the calls today brought it up as well. Is like not being able to switch off and always thinking about work and always thinking about business. So that is one thing is tracking. The second thing is putting things in place to, to enable you to switch off, whether that's, for example, this person got a separate phone, um, completely, completely separated it. Next thing is to create the systems of processes. For, for example, simple things like, auto respondent responders on every point of contact in your business from WhatsApp to email to everything. So you can have confidence about switching off at night or having the weekend off and not feeling stressed that you have to respond immediately and you have to answer every question immediately, so forth and so forth. So I know I've babbled on a bit of it there, but to summarize that, Get really clear on what you want. Start to track and treat your business as a business. Um, and enable yourself to review your business consistently so you can understand it. And understanding that, and I, again, enables you to separate the emotion more. And also, there's a level of acceptance that this is going to probably happen 
or you're probably going to be emotionally attached to some degree throughout your whole career because it's yours at the end of the day. Um, hopefully that gives you some, some points on, on how to do that and what the process might look like for you. Anything to add? No. No. I don't know if I've missed anything there. Okay. How best to use Facebook for conversations, etc. I get lots of engagement on posts, but I'm not sure if I'm making the most of it. Um, honestly, the same way you would on Instagram, personally. Uh, the only difficult thing is, is, obviously, if you're not friends with them, it's likely that it'll go into that. I don't even know what it's called. Is it archive or like, you know, when you're not friends with someone on Facebook and the messages go somewhere else? And not yeah, well, it, yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of a barrier um potentially but I, I would do you try and use it initially how you would do instagram so if you're getting a lot of engagement go to engage people and find out what it was that they liked or um the reason why they engage with it so much what's landed what support do they need what content do they want to see um all of that type of stuff so reaching out in that way um i think it, it's a good idea to do i think also making sure that on facebook people comment it's been part of like it's just a natural thing to do on there isn't it so always try and ask like a maybe a triggering question or a leading question or getting some people's thoughts on stuff um so you can open up dialogue within the comments as well because if you can get a good conversation going with multiple different people and see different opinions and all of that type of stuff you can get a lot from that um but yeah i, I wouldn't do anything that you're not already potentially doing on Instagram, but yeah, the same old standard stuff. Like if it's new people to the page, welcome them. If it's people interacting and engaging quite often, go in and find out what was in, uh, what was so engaging for them and what more help than they need. Now and again, probably throw out a message to all of the people who are the most engaged to see um, what more do they want to see as they've gone through already or the any, I don't know, lead magnets that you've got coming up that you want everyone to know about. As I said, the awkward thing is, is if they're not, if you're not friends with them, they might fall into that kind of bucket of whatever it's called. Um, but maybe just tell people, I've just messaged you with a bit of support or I've just messaged to ask a question. Is there any chance that you can just accept the message and, and let me know? So that's how I would get in more conversations. Uh, I'd use the same tactics in Instagram and also leave, uh, ask some leading questions for your comments because people are used to doing it there. Anything you'd add? Um, lives. Um, I would definitely do lives on, on page as well because um, if you follow a page, it gives you a notification when people go live. And I think with with Facebook, what I've kind of observed, it's more comment, it's more comments in the comment section. Um, and when I've looked at, I'm just thinking of someone, a couple of people specifically, the highly engaged accounts do lots of lives. Well, not lots of lives, but they do lives, um, essentially. So, so yeah, I would see anything I'd, I'd add, really. So, um, next question. How can I get my clients engaged in my community group? Challenges, ideas to keep them engaging? I think the first thing to look at is what compelling reason are they joining that group for? That's a really important thing that I think a lot of people miss um, because then that will enable you to 
position whatever type of content or challenge or or whatever around that like that's a really important thing the second thing is i think you really really have to lead by example and what i mean by that is social media is a it's like anything uh, social media is a scary place if you don't know other people and so what you need to happen for people to engage a lot i would say on 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 groups is if they don't know each other is they need to feel like it's a safe place to voice their opinions and say their piece and so i feel that you leading by example in regards to that and setting the tone for the group is incredibly important i think you need to do that consistently and frequently and put more time in than you actually think you need to and i don't think that's based a lot on information i think that's a lot on you showing up on the group whether that's lives whether that's videos whether that's um that type of format because if they again i don't know the context behind this but if they don't know you as well um then again they need to be led by an example and that's what you are in the group you're a leader in my opinion um <clears throat> I think off the back of that recognize who who are because you'll have different kind of i would say segments of people on a facebook group you'll have the people who are louder than others in regards to they'll always comment they'll always post and you've got to lean on those people as much as you can um i think that's a huge thing um have some acceptance that I would say a large majority of people are observers versus engaging with things. So again, I think you've got to have that level of acceptance of that. Um, and I think you're going to make it compelling and easy as well. You've got to set people up so they feel that they again they can they're succeeding, and that they're not going to be judged in any way at all. So again, that will come back to like. For example, when you do challenges, make it really simple, make it really convenient for people, and make it so it's whatever challenge it is, it's scalable to their particular position. And yeah, I know you not might not know that, but you know, um, a steps walking activity challenge is a really good one. But instead of getting everybody as an example to hit 10,000 steps it might be you creating context around right first of all where you where are you at now secondly can you increase it by 10% over the next week and it that's scalable for anybody whether no one whether someone is doing 500 steps a day or 5,000 steps a day so again it's those types of things simple scalable for the individual easy convenient um i think that's a big thing with the challenges as well um yeah what are the things what are the things you could put in there i think you've covered most things to be fair Sound is bound. Yeah, I think you've covered most things. How essential do you 
think talking to camera videos are for social media as opposed to written? Um, not essential. A lot of people will build a business without doing them. Um, so not essential. But it also very much depends on what the future looks like for your business or you, what you want it to look like. Um, because, for example, if you want it to be online and you want to get the main source of your leads online in the future, then people need to know you, like you, trust you and all of that. And they, they, they find out your personality through you getting your face on camera and, and speaking to, to camera. So I think if your future aspirations is potentially to move fully online, then yeah, I would say it's more essential. Um, but as opposed to running a good, successful business, absolutely not. And what you've got to realize is people, depends who you want in your business. If you want people similar to you in terms of, and you prefer written content and detail, and you're not the type of person to want to get in people's faces on camera or whatever, then like that, carry on doing what you're doing in terms of the content that you're doing now, if you, if you prefer written, and you'll probably get similar people to you within that kind of demographic and so on. I think what's important is, is that we're not just using social media as like a, a bit of a one-way street. I think next you're posting about this over the next week. Um, so if you are doing written or even if you are doing video, you're still making sure that you're going out there and directly helping people too um, within your audience who are there. So not essential, no. Very much depends on the future aspirations of your business. Um, there's plenty of personal trainers that have been, well, I think the person asking this question is full without doing talking videos to, to face the camera. So that just shows it's not essential. Um, and if you prefer and enjoy delivering more written format of your content, then carry on doing what you're doing. And you could do that forever and still build a business. And no one can really tell you anything different. Um, it very much depends on what you want and what you need. The only thing I would say is that if it's an uncomfortable thing in terms of challenging you um, and being uncomfortable with it, then try it like I was I originally didn't like it I originally put it off every thought process that you could probably think of I went through as well I couldn't be asked doing it I didn't want to look like one of them x y and z people I didn't I want to come across forced I didn't want to come across like it was scripted or inauthentic all of them things that went through my mind um but gradually over time you you just get used to it and become you, you you basically care less of what other people think. So if it is a confidence thing, the only way you can overcome that, clearly you know the answer to this, is to do it more often. But uh, in a nutshell, no, it's not essential. And you can absolutely build a business with just written format content. But like I said, it depends on the future of where you want to take your business, in my opinion. Um, what you probably find is over the next few years, from reading what I've read over the past few weeks, it's like, yeah, TikTok's going to be the main kind of platform for people to use. Now, it depends on your demographic, if, if you're a demographic user, but that's a video-based platform. So that shows where social media is going. Um, so yeah, as if, the, if, that, if that's your demographic, if you want to play to that, then probably you're going to have to overcome it at some point if it is a confidence thing. That's all I would say. Um, next question. I think we kind of answered this on last night's um, marketing one but I'll ask it anyway 
Sorry, this might be long. Please can I have your general thoughts on this plan? I'm going to run a social media competition. I'm thinking of going big. Well, for me. Um, I don't want to give away free coaching as I've done that before and people don't seem to value it at times. I'm thinking of an Amazon Prime bundle, Amazon prize bundle of £250 to suit my target market or maybe a £250 walk pad treadmill, which would help my niche get their weekly steps in, busy full-time working overnight par overweight parents. Once the competition is over, I will hopefully have more eyes on my socials and then plan out my next program launch before an Easter deadline. Thanks. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it sounds, I'd just be very clear on what you want people to do to be able to enter. If it's reach you're after and getting and growing your audience, um, it's very obvious who, who you put that for. I think you need to make it really clear on who it's for. I think you need to make it clear on what people have to do and make it simple. Um, I would create scarcity by a time frame. Um, Prize-wise, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think the walk pad would probably attract the right type of person versus just a bundle um and yes you might not get as much volume um but you'll probably get the right people um so i'd definitely say that over just a like a voucher or something um i would plan out how you're going to nurture them is one thing so as an example if it's a share or tag people in post or, or competition then the one thing i'd say is how are you going to make sure that you can remarket or nurture those people so whether that's i don't know whether that's a, a landing page whether you're planning on taking all those and taking them onto your mailing list in some way i think that's really important as well so yes grow your audience so you can remarket to your audience on social media but even better and as well as that get them on your email list so you can obviously more people you can guarantee you guarantee but you're probably more likely to get much more eyes on your content by email typically than working against not against algorithms but you know what i mean um but yeah i think that's a great shout is you know, a, a period of growth and nurturing to then launch a program, um, you know, a couple of months down the line. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Yeah. Anything else? No, I don't think so. The nurture part of it is, is I would definitely have gone with the walk pad as well because you're going to get your specific needs or something similar to that your busy parent style of demographic will really like gravitate towards like something that's really going to solve a problem for them and save them a lot of money. So, um, yeah, I would definitely go with that instead of something general. Uh, that's what I would have said. And then the nurture part of that is really, really key in my opinion, because they might even be a little like, um, I would probably put a lead magnet or two within that nurture part of it as well to keep them engaged. 
whether that be a program um, or whatever it is that you want to offer. I would probably put one or two more lead magnets within that nurture part to just basically get people to that desire stage so they can you can really see who's really desiring what you're doing. Well, that's it. Last question. Let's go. What are some good questions to ask clients in a check-in? That will get um, good responses. Hey. Should you have different check-ins based on client preference adherence? Yeah, in my opinion, you should have slightly different check-ins. I think it's probably 70 to 75% of the questions that will remain the same for each person. But the, for me, like if you're going to individualize your coaching, which is your job, by the way, like, and this is not a, a dig at the person asking the question, it's a dig at everyone who, who doesn't do this. Um, it's your job to individualize the, the, the coaching that you deliver. So therefore, if you've understood someone's got a contextual cue for what they struggle with might be, I don't know, their sleep. And that's a, that's a really big, plays a big role in their decision-making and their energy levels, motivation and enthusiasm to get out, walk, train, eat the right foods that they, they need to eat and all of that, then sleep has to be a major focus on the check-in. So it should be fairly individualized, probably 20 to 25% of it, in my opinion. Um, but the standard questions for in general for what you would use is I think the opening question is always reflecting on the previous week, in my opinion. So did you achieve last week's goals? Um, if not, um, um, what would you, if you could repeat that week again, what would you do differently? Like what get in the way for that to happen? Um, what have you been most proud of for this week? Or yeah, what were biggest wins or them type of questions that really brings out sort like some things of what, what they've done well. So what have you done well last week and let them comment on that. So it's using a level of autonomy. Um, so we've done previous week, did they achieve their goals or not? If they could repeat last week again, what would they do differently? Um, what went well last week? Um, then you've got the, the quick, probably rating based questions. Like how did you rate your sleep? Um, how did you rate your activity levels in, in relation to your goals? How did you rate nutrition? And I'll be, always put context behind that because like, they're going to need some context as well, but it keeps it quick, it keeps it snappy, and it gives you talking points and levels of feedback to go back with. Um, how would you rate your gym sessions for this week? And then again, give context in terms of um, intensity. Did they turn up and get them done? Um, was they happy with how they performed? Did they get the PVs they were looking for? Whatever it is, give them context to be able to rate themselves. Um, what are your goals for the upcoming week? So I think it's important for them to go write these three things that I need to focus on or four things, five things that I need to focus on. What could get in the way of them goals being achieved? So they could re recap on, well, this got in the way last week, so that could get in the way. And then the final question would probably be, um, how could you plan to overcome them things that could get in the way? What's the plan to overcome them? And then maybe just a question for you, like if there was and lead it, we talked about this before with Robin, didn't we? maybe a leading question at the end. If there was one, um, you said it, didn't you? If there was one thing that I could help you with this week that would get you closer to your goals, what would that be? And it gets them to think instead of what questions do you have? Um, so a leading question that then it makes it easier for you to look at and go, right, how did, because you, you've got to think about the feedback is the most important part of this check-in. So the self-awareness is the most important part, but the feedback is just as important. So then you can split this up into three stages when you're feeding back. Look at, did they achieve what they wanted to do out of last week? 
Um, if not, why not? Have they been self-aware as to why not? And have they put that in their plan for moving forward of how they're going to overcome that for next week? Great self-awareness, brilliant. So we've gone over last week and how they've performed. We've looked at how they're currently feeling. So what went well and like what they're most proud of. And we're making sure we're delivering positive reinforcement on that if they've been if they've recognised some some decent wins for themselves. And then we're really focusing in on the week ahead. So are the goals solid, tangible? Can we track them um, as well? And have they built that level of self-awareness of what could get in the way? So then I'm feeding back on, great that you've recognised X and Y that could get in the way. It also got in the way three weeks ago. Is this something that could be a trend of moving forward? And if so, do we need to come up with a plan to overcome it long-term? So then you're asking a question off the back of the check-in, which has a two-way dialogue. Not it doesn't just end with your feedback. I think where most coaches sometimes underestimate this process is that you answer your feedback and you send it to them. I think it, coaching is a process and it's a two-way kind of dialogue. And I think sometimes what should happen personally is that you're asking some more leading open questions to get them to think throughout the week and come back to you again. I think that's really important in the coaching process. So yeah, that's how I would go about it. Anything you would add? Gold answer. Gold answer. But yeah, depends on the person as to what. You might not even put sleep in because this person's absolutely spot on with their sleep. It doesn't get in the way. You haven't picked up on it being a contextual cue. But socialising after on a Friday after work that takes them into a weekend where they want to go on a bender more or less every other weekend when they do it, and that's the contextual cue for it happening, well, then we need to work in and around that. So I might put 20 25%, 30% focus on that in the check-in um, of how they can create self-awareness in and around that. It might be, as one of the questions was before, a hyperpalatable field like a twirl that takes them off uncontrollably to eating more chocolate. And they've recognised that that is something that takes their mindset off track um, into a binge cycle, for example. Right, well, I'm going to make 30% of that check-in specifically about that for that person. So they're just a couple of examples of how to make it individualized. Apart from that, I'll shut the fuck up, Nick. I can't hear you. You've gone silent. So what's happened there? Have you just took your earphones out? Uh, my AirPods went out with juice. I did that. So... I don't mean all that. You didn't get to hear my amazing answer. No, I heard. Well, I wasn't particularly listening. I heard a lot of noise. But... Okay. Bye, folks. Well, that was pleasant. Um, thanks for the questions, because they were really good again this week. They Last were very good. Really, really good. And clearly, you're doing some good work with giving feedback from the check-ins, Nick. That wasn't coming, was it, Anthony? Yeah, it was. I'm just saying that. More people are, are, are putting more thought into their check-ins, maybe because you're giving individualised feedback that you will not get on any other mentorship. Any other? None. None. Do no harm. Take no shit. See you later, people. Like that. Bye.